0: This is Mr. Announcer Napa Valley, Lauren Mole. Judd's feeling a little hoarse, so I'll be introducing this episode of Judd's Napa Valley Show. Thanks, Lauren. Appreciate it. No problem, Judd. Today's guest is eminent enologist Dawnine Dyer. She's one of the pioneers of modern winemaking, has fantastic perspective, and is just a super sweet person. You're going to like this one. Before we get down to it, let me invite you to visit Judd at Judd's Hill Winery on Silverado Trail in of the verdant vines of Napa Valley. For visiting information, go to www.juddshill.com. That fine website also has Judd's fantastic and funny videos, magnificent parties, and events, and, you guessed it, sublime wines. Put some of those wines in your shopping cart, and I'll give you a secret deal for our listeners. Type in coupon code JNVS in lowercase letters, and get 15% off of your entire wine order. You can't beat that. Or can you? Yes. Join the Jud's Hill Wine Club and get an even better deal than that. All that information is also at JudsHill.com. And now, the brilliant, Donnean Dyer.
1: Thanks, Lauren. That was fantastic.
0: No problem, Judd. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa. Judd's Napa Valley. Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now, Live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host. John Fingolstein!
1: Good morning, Lauren Mole. How are you today, sir?
0: Top of the day, John. Doing great.
1: Top of the day. What is happening in the world of Lauren?
0: Well, I just uh, got done taking some voiceover classes in Sonoma at Radio Magic. Taking them? You mean not teaching them? No, I'm not teaching them. I've been taking them. Oh, good. You could teach them. What did you learn? Any tips you want to share with us? I just did other voices not not like well somewhat like character voices but not 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 quite as much other like travel narration and etc etc well hit us with a little bit you know there's nothing like real-world experience let's go welcome to the Sonoma Plaza where wine country and its history come together to offer some of the best art food culture and wine this side of San Francisco very
1: nice very nice any characters you were working on Uh,
0: not quite as much but other types of narration
1: all right well that's pretty cool
0: Nice, and I, and I even made my voiceover demo, and I thought maybe sometime I'd like to bring you a copy.
1: I would love it. I, I would love to hear it. I'll, I'll put it in, in, while I'm driving around in the car, and I feel like you're there with me. And maybe we can play some clips here on the air as you get it all developed. We'll see. Let's keep checking back on that. Okay. You know, it was very strange. I worked here, what is it, 25 years ago. I started working here at KVYN. And the very first day I worked here... I would only before that I'd worked uh, like one week earlier at 6 a.m. on a Sunday playing Casey Kasem's top top 40 countdown, and it came on record albums, and we had to put it on and you know spin. And I didn't say anything; I just played the record albums and let Casey do all the talking. The next week, they offered me a job on air at 6 p.m. on Sunday night, six to nine on the six to nine on the Vine. That was it. They said, "Don't worry about it." I said, "I've never turned on the microphone. I don't know anything." So don't worry about the, the DJ that comes before you will hang out with you and train you. And I came, and he was there. He split in five minutes. He said, here's how you turn on the microphone. Here's how you uh, pick which songs to play. You'll be fine. Bye. And he left. I think he had a date or something. I was so panicked. I, I didn't know what to say. I think I turned on the microphone twice and just said, uh, that was Phil Collins and now Elton John, KVYN. And then next, you know, song. I was so panicked. I did not want to go back the next week. I was having, I think I had a couple nightmares about it. My folks were great. They talked me into going back, said, You know, you love radio. This is the way you're going to learn. Okay, ever since then, I've been fine. Last night, for the first time in 25 years, Lauren. What's that? I had a nightmare about coming into this station wow it wasn't terrible I didn't wake up screaming or anything but oh no but I I, <laughs> I bet you would never do that <laughs> no but I I was coming into the shift I was in this very studio it was really realistic and I didn't I didn't know what was going on like the the timing was off and there was I didn't know if I was supposed to be on or if it was the other person's shift and I sat down and then all these um kind of older women. I think it was supposed to be like a quilting bee that I was supposed to, a quilting club I was supposed to interview. I didn't know anything that they were coming in and what am I supposed to talk to them about? Um, There was a song playing that I had no idea who it was by and I was supposed to announce it. It was like one of these, you know, unprepared panic type nightmares.
0: Yeah, one of these nights like
1: the Eagles say. (laughs) That's right. And I think, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it's because of the stature in the wine world of our guest today, maybe I'm intimidated a little bit. I don't know. We're going to find out in a moment when, when we give her her introduction. But I just wanted you to know that so that you're aware. If you see me kind of curl up in a ball, like in panic, which I'm not you know, prone to do, but it might happen today. Just jump in and take over, will you? Sure. Maybe get me some water and then... You know, make sure I'm comfy, but then it's your show, okay?
0: I'll give it a shot.
1: Okay, appreciate that. I want to tell you about a couple things coming up really quick. This June 29th, it's a Sunday, is the Barbecue Battle, the annual barbecue and beer battle. It's happening at the Napa Valley Marriott. It benefits the Napa Valley Education Foundation's Music Connection Program, ensuring that students in our public schools have access to instruments and musical education and instruction. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So that's happening Sunday, June 29th. Two chefs this is going to be Joey Ray from the Marriott and Jonathan Bodnar of Smokeville are going head-to-head because current and four-time undefeated champion Pat Burke, has and reti- previous guests and previous guests have uh, he has retired from competition. He'll be there to root everybody on, and, 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 and the folks that go get to vote. So, buy your tickets. Go vote. To see who will be the new king of Napa Valley Barbecue, you can get tickets by looking on the uh, even the Judd's Hill website under events. It'll be there. Let's see. Also, Yukapalooza is coming back August 1st at Oxbow Market from 6 to 9. It's our one-night little mini ukulele music festival. Uh, it'll be anchored by the Maikai Gents, my old-time Hawaiian band, but then anybody who has a ukulele is welcome to come and kind of open mic strum it'll be fun there will be an aloha marketplace aloha Wear, a vintage aloha Wear marketplace thanks to melissa gruenhagen retro diva and that will benefit on the move which helps um all sorts of folks in our community um, foster kids through their voices program on and on so come on out it's free to attend so how is it a benefit well i'm sure they'll have a nice raffle or something like that that you can get in on Sounds great. It is. It's going to be fabulous. That's Friday, August 1st, 6 p.m. Oxbow, free to attend. Get there early. It's always standing room only because uh, the, the merchants also come up with some nice island style specials. I have talked enough. Let's introduce our guest. Oh,
0: yes, absolutely. A pioneer vintner whose achievements are sure to inspire. She's got a great story of which we won't soon tire. Her place in the wine world is one to aspire. Our caliber of guests could not be higher as we welcome today Donine Dyer. Hey, Donne
2: Hey, how are you? <laughs> Doing great. Good to be here.
0: Donine, welcome.
2: Thank you, Judge. It's Thank wonderful
0: you, to have God. you here.
2: And I'm here to talk about quilting.
1: Cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lovely uh, caftan you're wearing. Did you make that yourself? <laughs> Me and my minions. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Here I go. I'm in for it. Well, you actually you did bring something uh, that I, I wasn't really expecting. I've been very fortunate. Uh, several guests, uh, it's happening pretty much regularly now. Uh, bring me something. Bring me a little gift. It's very kind. Uh, this looks like you have a, a, a bocce ball on a keychain.
2: Patonk, actually. Oh, patonk,
1: excuse me. This uh, this lovely little
2: <laughs> item here has graced my desk for so many years that I no longer really know where it came from. And quite frankly, when I picked it up this morning, thinking of you.
1: Yes, because who doesn't when you think I, of little keychain patonk balls?
2: Exactly. And I was also thinking about World Cup soccer starting up. And I thought, well, clearly this little metric device oh, it's is, metric? Uh, it, oh, yes, it's metric. Oh. Obu, I thought, was a soccer ball. Um, it turns out, as I Googled it, as oh, one yeah. does most things, that Obu is actually a pétanque ball. They're the premier producers oh. of Patonk balls, which makes it even more confusing <laughs> why it's on my desk. But Are you a pétanque enthusiast? No, and now oh. it's on your desk. It, it also, it is a keychain. Um,
1: okay. Well. It would
2: be rather... Bulky in your pocket, but it is a keychain, and it does also have a metric measurer, which wow. now that we discuss oh. it as petanque, probably is the way you tell the distance between your ball and oh. the petanque, petanque, whatever the little thing is. That yeah, I don't know for. much
1: about petanque, but I mean, bocce is certainly here in Napa Valley. I know they're similar. Uh, is It's huge in Napa mm-hmm. Valley. Maybe this could be used mm-hmm. by somebody here to measure... Yeah, uh, and I,
2: I, you know, I think this is one of those sorts of things that you probably would want to take to Antiques Roadshow and <laughs> see what they thought.
1: And well, thank you very much. Be careful not to
2: paint it because they'd probably tell you it was worth more if you didn't.
1: Yeah, it's a silver-looking silver, um, looking Obu silver color, uh, Obu. Patonk ball keychain with metric measuring tape. I'm I'm grateful. Thank you very much. Do you mind if I share this with a listener who might want to have this off the Absolutely. desk of the legendary Vintner Don Dyer? I would like to share this. This is going to be, um, get your hands on Judd's goodies. That's what we're calling it. So if you would like to have this and you're by your computer, your smartphone, get on Twitter, And just the first tweet that comes in with the hashtag JNVS for Judd's Napa Valley Show. And you can add getting my hands on Judd's goodies so we really know what's happening. The first one to come in with hashtag JNVS via Twitter. We'll get this. I'll bring this back over to Judd's Hill, our family winery. And, um, you know, in the next three days, if you can come by and get it, it's yours.
0: Thank you for bringing that. And it can be yours if the price is right.
1: Thank you, Lauren (laughs) Mole. Let's get to you, Donnie. You certainly, uh, Lauren mentioned, you know, pioneering vintner and I think that's certainly true and before we get to your many accomplishments how did you get on the path to wine making is this always been what you've wanted to do is your family in the wine business you
0: you are no, a californian no, i'm I know.
2: a i am a californian yeah. and and like most californians we we come to our dreams in 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 different ways in our own ways now I, I was interested in wine became interested in wine in in college which was a long career for me it was back in the 60s and it, it took us a long time to make up our minds ah. back then about okay. what we wanted to do, and um, along the way, I had a chance to travel and to uh, to to see what I thought of then as a, a different and more gracious kind of style of life mm-hmm. that involved many of the things that we talk about now with the, you know, farm to table and, and appreciation of where things come from and, and enjoyment of, of flavors and wine and food was certainly part of that. It seemed obvious for a biochem major to see about working in a winery.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh,
2: and, and that is in fact how I started was working in, in the laboratory.
1: So your degree was in biochemistry yeah, uh-huh. from Santa Cruz? From Santa
2: Cruz. Yeah. My husband and I moved up here from school from school in 1974 you know our car broke down in St. Helena we (laughs) lived for the first month at the state park and is that how you chose is that how you chose Napa Valley (laughs) the car broke
1: down here so
2: no we actually we actually had the foresight even to uh, to apply for harvest jobs
1: in advance but you didn't have a place to stay you stayed stayed a month in the in the state park
2: state park yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. How cool! Yeah, it was great. Very seventies of It was of really, you. it was really good. I had a, had the opportunity to work that harvest with uh, with Robert Mondavi Winery, mm-hmm. and a great training ground. Um, worked for Zelma Long, and oh, wow. yeah, so good introduction to the to the business, and right, right. and it was just such an exciting place. You know, your 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 parents were certainly part of some of those those early days of people. Just being enthusiastic about what we were all doing here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, gee, there were, opportun- were opportunities then that you'd never, ever see now. But I moved from Mondavi to Ingle Nook and then had a chance to work with uh, Domaine Chandon kind of before the building was built. Well, Is that right? Was, there,
1: was, there was no there there, there when you no started? There was
2: no there there. We were working out at Trefethens actually. Oh,
1: I never knew that part of the story. Yeah,
2: yeah. We set up our presses there. It was before Trefethens was a winery. And it was just a f- phenomenal opportunity, you know, because it was all about kind of translating this traditional style of winemaking into something that was domestic and good tension between the, f- oh. the rolling pin, between, <laughs> between the uh, the French with their with their centuries of tradition in 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 Champagne, and us trying to to develop it into a, a local style that respected the tradition but also reflected the sort of the authenticity of our place it was a it was a wonderful wonderful place to to get a hold into the business how was the how was the management
1: over there being you know from you know the old style being from France where they've been making the sparkling wine for centuries and then here you are you know trying as you said you know translating it into the the new world over here in California were they very set that it has to be done this way according to the centuries-old traditions, or were they letting you get creative no, they and were experiment?
2: Actually, they were actually very... They, they probably were more open to innovation and new ideas and even the idea that, that there might be different varieties that we would use here oh, okay. in the Napa Valley. Ultimately, of course, you you know we, we did stick with Pinot Noir and, and Chardonnay um, using a little bit of Pinot Blanc, which is, is not... a a traditional variety, but I think we have all of us proven that vinifera, those traditional varieties of uh, Europe, do really well here in the Napa Valley. They (laughs) certainly do, so
1: you know, why mess with it? Now, you were the winemaker at Domaine Chandon for 20... I was there for 25 years. There for 25 years. Yeah, yeah. Lauren, (laughs) yeah. And uh, as winemaker and vice president and... Chief yeah, of, kind of working you know, my way up to all yeah. of those things. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of curious what did you do to experiment to then really f- say okay, this is the way? It really works here in Napa Valley. Were there some oddball things you were testing out originally? Yeah. Well,
2: you know, I think that we got very, very lucky with the uh, with the original purchases of, of property, a of vineyard property for uh, mm-hmm. for sparkling wine. Carneros is just a beautiful place for Pinot Noir. Oh, yeah. And course. it really led to one of the things that I think of as, as a hallmark now of California sparkling wine, which is a Blanc de Noir, the style that has mm-hmm. a little bit more fruit and perhaps a little bit of color and really shows more of the, the sunshine of, of California like than, the, you know, than the minerality of, of, uh, of, of France. So I, th- I think that that was probably one of the places where we really saw a, a tradition and the, the, the finesse and the quality and the use of the methodology, but were able to ap- apply what, what I'd call our, our terroir here in, in Napa. To those traditions. Let's see beyond that. I mean, we played around with some screwball grapes. So, you know, we were always <laughs> looking for the grapes that would retain their acidity in a, right. a slightly warmer climate. And what we came back to all was with Pinot Noir Chardonnay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I said, why mess with a good thing, right? <laughs>
2: Uniblanc, for instance, did not
1: make it. <laughs> no. Where does one, is there any that grown around here? I, I don't I, come across it.
2: I hope there is not anymore. more. <laughs>
1: Well, talking about grape growing, uh, you know, that's a whole different way to approach uh, viticultures when you're making sparkling wine, or at least the harvest. You know, you guys are picking and done before most of us who, you know, make Cabernets or whatever, even pick our first grape.
2: Yeah. After 25 years at Domaine Chandon, I love August now. <laughs> of course. <laughs> There were all those years when all my friends were taking their last vacation, my colleagues and friends and I would be starting harvest right. on, you know, the twelfth of August. <laughs> You've got your boots on already.
1: <laughs> wow. But now with um making the sparkling, at least your hands probably never got black and that's cracked right. open that's, from all that's, the punch downs that's and all right. that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. You could at least be a a clean winemaker in right. that respect.
2: Right. But now with Cabernet at Dyer, it's a different well, thing altogether. And we
1: will, get to <laughs> my, we will get to that. That's important stuff. Uh, you know, Chandon, really, when, when was the building built? You know, that we know that people go visit in the restaurant. Seven, and
2: 1976.
1: 76. Okay. Yeah. So you were there a couple yeah. of years before.
2: Yeah. 77, I believe, we opened to the public and maybe it was 78 that the restaurant opened.
1: And the restaurant really became something quick. I mean, at that time, it was the place. I mean, really, in Napa Valley.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: I remember many occasions, you know, birthdays, anniversary parties, um, you know, talking about uh, circa whatever, 70, late 70s through the late 80s is when, I guess, you know, before I went off to college and we were doing all these family events. Like, that's where we went. And I really appreciated the French style over there because you know what? They always served me wine. They, they knew. They, I think the statute of limitations is probably out. But they, I, I, was, I was going to say, be careful. No, no, no. This was, this was a long time. No, and I'm going to tell you why. I mean, I know it doesn't happen anymore. Because uh, I'd say in high school at some point, maybe I was 17, something like that. Our waiter, we had the same waiter every, every time. He came over and he, you know, just poured wine. And he actually, before he even poured the wine, he apologized to the whole table. He said, you know, that we really have be come under some scrutiny. Everyone in the Valley, the ABC is really getting tight. And, uh, and then he looks at me and says, we're just not going to be able to, you know, pour you, serve you any wine this evening. And we looked at him and said, we totally understand. And, but up until that point, they knew full well, but I guess there's that French style, you know. Everybody's welcome to and have you a were little with, wine. you were with your oh, family. Always and, with my family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they wanted me to appreciate wine, so they didn't mind that I had a little you know, I wasn't drinking multiple glasses. I, you know, I knew if I was going to have it in front of the family, I had to show that I respected it. And yeah, so, you know, yeah, little sips yeah. with the dinner. And, yeah. But that always struck me as like not only a fabulous restaurant, but they let me drink wine. I thought, hey, we got to go here more often. <laughs> um, I'm sure it does well, not happen anymore. No, I'm sure Since not. that point.
2: Yeah. I think it's pretty sad that in this this country we... we teach people how to drive before they're legal to drive and we don't teach people how to drink responsibly before they're legal to drink and I think Mm, that's uh you know it's having that exposure when you're with family and in a, a situation where it's always with food is a much much easier place for anyone to learn about to learn about wine and to learn about responsible alcohol use than To wait until you're no longer in the house and you're at college and have your first experience then. Um, Well, I couldn't agree
1: more. Growing up here in Napa Valley and being around wine, you know, most of my friends, even if their families were not in the wine business, they understood wine. They appreciated Mm -hmm. wine. Everybody got to have wine. And it wasn't until I got to college that I really saw people...
0: Be falling stupid. down yeah. yeah getting
1: drunk be stupid it just i mean not to say it didn't happen you know these you know high school parties out by the lake whatever of course you know it happened once in a while but it was not a thing yeah and, and when i got yeah. to college like what are these people doing how can you drink that much this is ridiculous um and to this day i just i don't care to be drunk i love yeah. drinking don't get yeah. me wrong but yeah 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 Anyhow, so i'm with you let's let's get let's get responsible wine education into uh, folks Young. I'm not saying minors at this point. I'm not advocating anything illegal, but I'm just glad that it seems like younger generations are are starting to appreciate wine. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Let's talk about your wine after we take this break, because you've got so much excited, so many. Excuse me, I'm not speaking well today. I'm, I think I am intimidated by you, Donnie. And this Whoa. is like this is we've got a big time <laughs> guest here, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, there is so much to talk about. You're involved in so many cool projects, including your very own. So, we'll take a quick break from Judd's Napa Valley Show. We'll be back with more of Judd's
0: Napa Valley Show right after these messages with Donine Dyer. La, 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 la. Everyone's a Fingle Friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa. And streaming live in Atlanta at KVON.com, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. In Atlanta? Yes. Why
1: not? Well, that's where we're also streaming live. That's true. You could name anywhere that has internet access, and that would be a true statement. Absolutely. Isn't that cool? It is. We've gone worldwide. That's right. At least to Atlanta, apparently. We have. Lauren. Yes. We have in our midst a legendary, pioneering... Totally rad. Winemaker.
2: You're going to have to stop that.
1: Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, you don't like... We're trying, this is showbiz. We'll build you up a little. <laughs> well, let's not, just get back to this. Not that we need to build you up. <laughs> um, you know, everything you do speaks for <laughs> itself, and we've been hearing a little bit about your past. It's Donnie and Dyer. She's here, and we're very excited. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing these days. We talked a bit about your past, and now you've got all kinds of stuff. You've got your Dyer Vineyard Wine other projects but let's let's focus on your own thing shall we sure yeah. yeah tell us when this started up and how that got going and where you are and why it's so special and well, on I, and on and on
2: you know I think one of the interesting things about having um, having worked in Napa since the since the mid 70s is you really I, I really we really bill and I have had a chance to kind to, to really explore some of the various places and parts and Nooks and crannies of vineyards in in the Napa Valley, and a place that's always seemed very special to us, um, even before we bought into it, was Diamond Mountain. Bill, when he was working at, as winemaker at Sterling, uh, made wine from Diamond Mountain. And in the early nineties, we had a chance at a twelve acre parcel on Diamond Mountain. It was mostly fairly steep parcel, but there was, we thought at the time, actually maybe four acres turned out it was two and a half but (laughs) that was uh, level enough to plant and right in that sort of golden triangle that diamond creek and reverie and von strasser right in that kind of mid-mountain diamond mountain and we planted the vineyard so in 1993 we put Vines in the ground, two and a half acres of uh, of vines. We uh, knew that Cabernet was uh, a good starting variety there, but we did feel that there were some possibilities for some of the other Bordeaux blending varieties, and we actually started with 75% Cabernet and then five percent of everything else. Uh, <laughs> And over the years, we refined that. So we took out Malbec fairly early on. It was not a good clone, kind of a very early variety in that site. Merlot went next. Um, We still have Cab Franc, which is beautiful on Mm -hmm. Diamond Mountain, and a little bit, 5% Petit Verdot in in the blend as well. And one of the things that we wanted to do with it, we had both spent so much of our careers at that point blending where you would look at a kind of an ideal of a wine and you would pull characteristics, textures, flavors, colors from different lots that you'd made from different vineyards. And the opportunity... And the challenge was to take one particular piece of land that you thought was very special and find the way to express it right. so that you expressed it as as great a wine as you could make from it, but you also expressed it with as much personality as you could find in it. So we ferment it together. We uh, actually farm it fairly diligently. It is it is now our front yard. Um, right, we, right. we planted it before we built the house, but it is now our front yard, and we farm it very specifically to um, try to bring all three of those varieties to full ripeness at the same time So all
1: picked together so all together. picked
2: together at nine times out of ten we're not you know if it's if they if it really isn't working in terms of getting them all ripe at the right. same time we'll we'll adjust but the but the goal is and 9 times out of 10 it worked to ferment them together and to start working on that kind of complexity the co-pigmentation the sorts of things that you get by bringing the varieties together and we we say that we make that blend we've made the blending decisions by the way we've planted the vineyard so we're you know we're really going to live with that and if we want to make adjustments in general we're going to make those adjustments in the vineyard not not in the winery
1: certainly a way to express the the land there exactly exactly and you two make this together
2: Yes, we do.
1: You and your husband, Bill. Oh,
2: yes, we do.
1: How's that working together?
2: You know, it actually works very well, although I will tell you that I don't think I would have enjoyed doing it at 30. Well, <laughs> I think it was a better thing
1: to start I, at 45. Uh, okay. You know, I I did a little research and I found an article about you two in the New York Times from yeah. 1987. Oh, yeah. And there was a little clip because at that point, you two were not making wine together. That's right. we You were... were Still, probably at Domaine Chandon. I was. And he was at At Sterling. Sterling, Yeah. And it says that that you expressed relief that they, meaning you two, produce different wines and do not compete head on. And then the quote is from Bill. This is from Bill saying, If we both made Chardonnay and I brought mine home, I can imagine Donine might say, I would have left it in the barrel longer. (laughs) And Mr. Dyer said, I would perhaps not be happy to hear that. (laughs) That's great. So so now flash forward, you guys are making wine together. It seems to be working out. You're enjoying it? And yes, yeah, we are. Do you we ever are. have these, like, let's leave it in the barrel longer? No, let's oh, not abs- leave it in the barrel absolutely. longer. Absolutely. But
2: I think that one of the things that is, is true about wine, and it's probably something that we realize more now than, than we might have at that point, is that decisions don't have to be made. There are really very few snap decisions in winemaking you you usually have an opportunity to explore it and if you listen and are receptive to it a good conclusion can
1: be uh, can be reached okay that's good you know the
2: the biggest one is the picking decision
1: well that's what i was about to say snap decisions don't have to be made necessarily in the cellar but in the vineyard
2: they can sometimes they do they can sometimes come on you a little bit quicker yeah yeah Yeah,
1: and you now are grape growers you know you, you didn't start out that way um, another quote, if I may.
2: Yes. This is,
1: this, these are your own <laughs> you're, words. You're you, finding
2: these things. All yes. this is
1: good stuff. You know, you wrote this as part of a series featuring the Napa Valley grape growers, and this was in our local paper, the Napa Register. It's a really nice article. Folks, if you want to look it up, you can look. It's uh, December 31st, 2010, so a few years ago. But I just want this one paragraph about now that you are a grape grower. You say that winemakers talk a lot about wines being made in the vineyard, in quotes. But until we had watched the vines through a few cycles, gotten up at 3 a.m. for frost protection, dealt with picking around sunburn on a portion of the vineyard, and found voles literally eating the bark of the vines in our organic vineyard, did we begin to get an idea of how true a phrase it is. Vigilance is our watchword, and quick reflexes our most valued ability. Yoga helps. (laughs) i love it and
2: that is true
1: <laughs> i have no doubt farming ain't easy stuff to me that's that's farming can be stressful because again snap decisions kind of do need to be made you know you got to wake up at three if there's frost you got to decide yeah. am i really getting out of bed and there's really you have to there's voles eating yeah. your plants yeah. like, what am i going to do this is an organic vineyard i can't start putting poisons out right. you know what right. am i going to do and it yeah. has to be taken care of yeah, yeah. if you live then.
2: there it's a it's the you know it's an even bigger question because if you live there then you're thinking this is, my, this is my yard. I'm not going to poison it.
1: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So what did you do about the voles? I'm curious. A I've got gophers did, in my garden. Yeah. So what, what should I do? And I don't well, like putting we,
2: uh, up, until, up until the point that we had the first really big vole invasion, we had done a, 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 a permanent cover. And we now disc. And we now oh. disc to, to break up the soil so that they're, they don't get too established mm-hmm. in there. And then we, on that particular occasion, and voles are somewhat cyclical, we actually just took hoes in and and, and poed grass around mm. all of the vines. So it was a pretty intense response. But wow. It, it did work.
1: Owl boxes, release snakes. Uh. Well,
2: we have owl boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're... Up on Diamond Mountain, there are uh, great horned owls, oh. and the barn owls, which are the ones that you want to cultivate for, for rodent controls, they don't get along really great with the great horned
1: owls. So. Oh, is that right? I didn't know. So uh,
2: we're not sure how effective our owl box is, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's there. <laughs> Should any of you owls out there want to go? <laughs> yeah, any owls a nice, listening a right nice now? nice home
1: Barn owls specifically, great horned owls need not apply, but... <laughs> Is that there's probably um, we're violating some HR laws <laughs> by discriminating against great horned owls, but no doubt. <laughs> well it's cool and it seems to be working out and you guys but you guys I mean this you have your dire vineyard wine, but you do so much else. I mean, do you not work with other people's wine? Consulting both you and Bill. I mean, it seems like you guys are two of the busiest winemakers traveling. The well, world. I,
2: I, I don't know if we're the busiest. We, we actually have backed down a little bit. But we do have one major project in Meteor Vineyard um, in, uh, sure. in, in Coombsville, Coombsville yeah. which has been a really exciting area to get to know a little bit better and a beautiful, beautiful vineyard. Um, Bill has a project over in Sonoma with Mari Torres uh, that is on an ongoing project project and he has been a little he has chosen to apply his trade to other viticultural areas in the world and he was very active in kind of the early days of british columbia's okanagan valley
1: right, right. and
2: right, sta- helped establish a couple of the the early vineyards there and now has a, a project that he's working with down in baja california in, oh. in mexico yeah in the val de guadalupe
1: which i've i've had some wines from down there and i gotta say i was impressed
2: yeah yeah no i think i think that's right and they're they're both of them very different climates from napa trying to do mm-hmm. some of the same things that any wine growing region in the world is trying to do find the varieties that work best there and make good wine and I think he's got a real touch for that, actually, for for kind of interpreting,
1: intuít what the land's going to offer, yeah, what grapes going to yeah. work there, yeah. Because I got to imagine also from Okanagan to the Guadalupe Valley, um, very different. Those two must be very different from each other as well.
2: That, you know, interestingly enough, he he says they're both high desert. So, oh, yeah.
1: Well, what do I know? But very certainly cool. very different latitudes. Oh well, yeah. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And you, I've read, have made wine in at least three different continents.
2: Well, with Domaine Chandon, we opened up Australia, and Argentina had a Moet de Chandon property, when, actually when Domaine Chandon was built here in California. But while I was at Domaine Chandon, we started importing that wine into the United States. So there was a period of time when there was some activity back and forth between between here and there just to kind of get the get the blends right and then of course there was the chance to be in France. (laughs) Oh well sure
1: (laughs) not bad so have you have you done a little winemaking over there as well?
2: Well no I wouldn't call it winemaking but working in working with
1: um but still you've traveled the globe I mean you 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 would lecture? Or you t- you, do you, where did I read your? Somewhere it was very, I should have written it down. You've, you've lectured at the UC Davis business, uh, the wine. Tell me.
2: Yes, I, I did participate in that for several years as a, as a lecturer on, on wine production. One of my favorite gigs, actually, was a period of time when I was involved in, let's see, how would you, how would you put it? it? These were EC sponsored. Conferences on appellations of origin.
1: Yes, I know you're very involved in that Geographic too.
2: Geographic locations is what it's it's what it's called um, in the in the European system. But the idea that the sense of place is important, and I don't know how many people would actually know that in the United States, wine wine is actually one of the very few places where there's regulation about place of origin. Um, that's actually regulated by the government, government as opposed to being protected by trademark. Hmm. And it's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, it has gotten the Napa Valley recognized as a, a geographical indication um, in China, in um, the EU itself. And that's, that, that's a tremendous, tremendous achievement for the Napa Valley.
1: It's wonderful, it, it, you know. As a Napa Valley vintner myself, I certainly appreciate that those are in place. You know, it really shows that this is a special place, Napa Valley, yeah. and that if a consumer in any of these number of countries that now recognize it, you know, buy a bottle that says Napa Valley on it, they're guaranteed they're going to get Napa Valley wine.
2: That's exactly right. And you've and really
1: led the charge. So thank you on behalf of you. You get very involved. I mean, you've led this charge. Um, you're a past president of the Napa Valley Vintners, Vintners Association, yes, that's right? And your, in
2: fact, I was the president of the vendors association when the membership crossed two hundred.
1: Wow! W-
2: just last month, I think we <laughs> inducted our five hundredth member. True. So yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> an amazing amazing history.
1: It's it's incredible. The, this place has really come a long way, um, and you stay involved in the community as well. You're very involved with the Cal, Calistoga Family Center.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that that is a a real love of mine. I mean, I think this is a tremendous community. And I think that it's really, really important for all of us who benefit from living in this community to take care of the community to protect it in whatever way you can, whether it's the land trust or social services. Um, it's, um, It's, it's important to all of us and those of us who benefit need to give back. And family resource centers are an incredible way to bring social services into a community and to knit a community more closely together Mm -hmm. because we're, you know, Calistoga is quite a ways away from the the seat of government here in Napa, the, the city of Napa. And so rather than sending people to Napa for services, we actually can coordinate services out into the communities. Um, we just last year completed a successful merger with the St. Helena Family Center. Oh, okay. So we have a little bit more strength and a little bit more um, sophistication. But we can we not only bring the services to people in the community, but we can do kind of case management and make sure that um, families are, are, are kept intact and wow. can make their own goals and, and we can help them achieve them.
1: What's more valuable than that, you know, keeping families intact, which brings me to another quote that I read about you, which really I think is cool. And by the way, on behalf of the community, let me just say thank you for your involvement in the Calistoga Family Center and now St. Helena Family Center. It's it's a a very valuable organization. Our name, should anyone
2: be interested, is now Up Valley Family (laughs) Centers.
1: Up Valley Family (laughs) Centers. Have a look, lend a hand. In a book that came out... uh, Dozen or so years ago, the wine sense diet. Oh, yeah, you know, this is a uh, like, as we've talked so about, you and Bill are very, Annette Schaefer. Yeah. exactly, Annette yeah. Schaefer, who was the just the culinary chair at our right. auction in Napa Valley. You know, obviously, you and Bill, very busy people traveling the world often separately, had your own wine projects going on all over town. And you talked about how that can, I mean, I would think that could make it tough to stay connected, but but in this book, you have got a little chapter and you. In it, you say that you two come together each day to renew your spirits. You know, walking the property together, cooking together, enjoying a glass of wine together. And I don't really have any follow-up question on that. I just think that's a lovely image to, to recognize that you know you're you're so involved in so many other things, but the important thing is to you know stay connected to each yeah, other and yeah, keep that yeah. family together as you do with these uh, the Valley Family Center. That's yeah, just really cool.
2: No, I think it is important too. I mean, that's that. However many years later, that still is true. (laughs) You you still do it. (laughs) Yeah. What do you guys do for fun
1: when you have a little free time here in Napa Valley?
2: Oh, here in Napa Valley. Well, let's see. This is the Napa Valley show. It is the Napa Valley show. We're pretty good hikers. Mm -hmm. So we uh, have explored the uh, backcountry, as it were, of Napa County. We have a group of friends that we hike with, uh, Uh, whether it's the Palisades in Calistoga or Boothay, Park coming back to our mm-hmm. first, <laughs> our first home here. <laughs> <year. laughs> I mean, there are so many things to do here. We're we're well, uh, we're followers of the chamber music series in yeah. uh, in Napa. We
1: uh, opera and
2: right, which has not yet come to Napa as well, far as I know. They show at the theater. But they have the live right, streams yeah. Uh, yeah, from, from New the York. Met, right. Yeah.
1: Do you get in on that?
2: I have done that a couple of times. Yeah, that's not fun.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a very healthy attitude, very healthy lifestyle. So. Almost embarrassed to ask you this next
0: question, but do go nuts for donuts? (laughs) He's bringing a a pink box to you right now, Donnie. A a pink box? Yes, a pink box. A pink box? Not red, not white, not blue, but pink. (laughs) Here you can see a nice (laughs) selection of donuts. What I'd like you
1: to do right now is choose.
0: Uh, Choose. Buttercream. Where else? Yeah,
1: choose one of those donuts. We've got a uh, maple old fashioned, a pink sprinkle, a chocolate raised, a crumb. What do you think? What? What? There he goes. <laughs> the maple old-fashioned. We are definitely in the 90 percentile of people choosing the maple old-fashioned. That is a good one. So here we are. We're sitting on this gorgeous, cloudless, beautiful, sunny Napa Valley morning. You've got a maple old-fashioned donut. What wine are you drinking with it? This is also the dumb question segment of our show.
2: Ooh, with the maple old-fashioned. Lauren,
1: help yourself. While she's thinking, grab a donut. Oh, she's got her eyes closed. Uh, She's thinking. Where's
2: the music? (laughs) (laughs) Is the time
1: up yet? Gut reaction. I'm going to go with a Riesling. Riesling. What are you thinking? The acidity, the contrast, the richness um, of the...
2: Maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe a Blanc de Noir sparkling.
1: Ah. (laughs) Which, as we just found out, is the California sunshine.
2: (laughs) Shameless promotion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show.
0: This is Mad Libs.
1: That's right. Donnie (laughs) Dyer is here to play Mad Libs with us. You understand how this game works. I'm going to ask you to fill in some blanks. First thing that comes to your mind, we're going to go with, are you ready to play?
2: Spontaneity, huh? (laughs) Spontaneity is the key. Here we go.
1: I need a number. Oh, 6472.
2: 6472.
1: Okay. Okay. Oh, this is a good one for a winemaker. An adjective, you know, a descriptor.
2: (laughs) Uh, Homely, that's not to describe a wine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's to describe your radio host. Okay, homely. A verb ending in I-N-G.
2: Something I'm not good at, spelling.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, luckily I'm filling in the blanks here. And I was the St. Helena Elementary School fourth grade spelling bee champion, just so you know. Uh, the word was handkerchief that I went on. Oh, I was the only one with that D in there. Uh, another verb ending in ing.
2: Something I'm trying not to do: coughing.
1: Coughing. We're in allergy season here. Um, another verb ending in ing.
2: Why am I thinking water? Um, drowning.
1: Oh dear. Okay, good. drowning. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> not so good. And finally, a field of study. Something, <laughs> something, something you could study. Um, anything you can study. Uh, phrenology. But that's like reading the bumps on your head, right? To tell fortunes and that, that type of thing? That
2: is reading the bumps on your head.
1: Phrenology. Uh, someone can, you heard, s- can
2: you spell that?
1: Uh, you know what? I'm going with <laughs> You're, I
2: I can't correct you. Okay.
1: Well, Donnie and Dyer. Legendary pioneering rad Napa Valley winemaker. She, she, she didn't stop me that time, Lauren. She was oh, going to no. let me go on and on. <laughs> uh, earlier today, I went onto your very website at direwine.com. And on your bio, took a little snippet, which you've just now rewritten via this Mad Libs game. Uh-oh. Are you ready? <laughs> and here we go. <clears throat> it says... Donine spent 6,472 years as winemaker at Domaine Chandon. Now that's a record. I think it must be. Use that measuring tape. Let's find out. A staunch Californian and always a fan of the bubbly, her tenure at Chandon was marked by the introduction of many homely sparkling wines and wine styles, (laughs) taking the best of both a rich tradition and a promising appellation. Along with husband Bill, she works on Dyer Vineyard. Now both can frequently be found spelling in the vineyard, coughing in barrels. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) That's not true, I'm sure. (laughs) And finally, this is a good one. And finally, drowning in orders of dire (laughs) cab for shipment. Oh, my gosh. That's good. Good business. Figuratively, yeah. Between the two, they hold degrees in philosophy, biology, and phrenology, (laughs) all three of which come in handy from time to time, you say. (laughs) Donnie and Dyer, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Thank you very much, Judd.
0: This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.